Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy and peace. And thank you for all of your truth. Thank you for the anointing that rests on me and for on your word, Lord. Thank you for using me today to touch your children's hearts, to help them to receive the pure word of that you have given me to share with them today and that they receive it into good ground, that it take root and bear fruit in their lives, and that they be helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered by you and through the salvation found in Jesus Christ alone, and that they go and help others with the same help they have received. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <coughs> I want to talk a little bit today about... The spiritual process of our salvation, the old man and the new man. I talk about a lot of things that I say you do have already. God has already done all this. It's all yours. It's on account. Nothing compelling you to do the things you used to do, etc., etc., etc. And sometimes, when people go to church, they feel like they need to be a theologian to kind of grasp it all, you know? I hope I don't come across that way, but still, it really <clears throat> is something that has to be Understood by revelation knowledge and without the teacher, the helper, the Holy Spirit, if you're not truly born again, you can't fully understand it. That's why there's so many seminaries turning out frustrated teachers and preachers. <coughs> Let me just jump right into this. I want to tell you that the old man, first of all, let me just, just say 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is a very important scripture. Paul talks about God and the Lord keeping us spirit, soul, and body. And that explains the fact that we are three-part beings, just like our Father in Heaven. We have a... I, I heard C.S. Lewis, who I like his reading very much, but he explained at one time that we are, a, we are a soul with a spirit. The truth is, we are a spirit with a soul riding around in a body. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24. And if you're created in his image, in his likeness, what does that tell you? That you look just like God? No. This goes well beyond our five senses. Our five senses are given to us, our natural senses, so that we can discern natural things. But there's a sixth sense that the spiritual Christian has. And you need to be in touch with that in order to fully 
understand and take advantage of everything that God has provided for you by grace through faith. The old man was corrupt in every way. He was the product of deception. The lie of Satan in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve believed his lies, agreed with him, and partook of the thing in which they shouldn't have, sin entered into God's creation. Corruption entered into that spiritual being. That spirit was defiled, and every person born since then has come with that sin nature. Fallen. Child of the devil, believe it or not. Protected until they know the difference. Thank God. But, still, fallen without hope. In my book, I have the, the, book, the chapter on the number five, and that explains it. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, creation, into which entered corruption. Man was hopeless, without hope in the world, and without a way to fix it. And then entered redemption, or grace, through Christ. But that old man, product of deception, the lie of Satan, a lie in God's eyes is just something which directly contradicts his word. They believed the snake... Satan came in that form that particular day. And they believed him when he contradicted God's word to them, you see. And when they did, sin entered in. When we yield to the deception, it produces some things. The first thing it produces in us is lust. In this screwed up world we live in, everything, everyone thinks of everything in sexual terms. And it doesn't... Exclude that, but lust is just a perverted, harmful desire. The Bible describes it as an evil concupiscence that we had prior to knowing the Lord. An overwhelming desire to do evil. (laughs) Lust. Lust, when it is yielded to, produces sin. And when we yield to sin, it produces death. So the order of the degenerative process in the old man is deception, or the lie, followed by lust, creating in us a desire. The lie against God's truth creates in us a desire for that thing, or whatever it is. Producing, if we think on it long enough, remember the battlefield is right between our ears. It's all conceived up here, birthed up here. That seed is birthed up here. And it turns, it manifests in sin. And the penalty for sin is death. So death, death comes in many forms. It's not just fall over dead. Death is poverty. Death is strife. Death is sickness. You see? Those are forms of death. They're just in its various stages. You see? Those are the enemy's devices, not God's. Okay? God doesn't put cancer on people to teach them a lesson. God doesn't put you in a 
in, in squalor and without, you know, those things are not of God. They're of the enemy. <clears throat> the old nature, the old man, was just totally corrupt. Spiritually, physically, morally, he's a rebel. This problem's universal to all mankind. Okay? It gets better, folks. <laughs> I'm trying to help you to understand the fallen condition of mankind. And it will make you thankful in the end. Here's God's solution, okay? He's never going to leave you there or allow me to. First, let's talk about a few things that God's solution is not for the old man. First the thing you can do is rule out anything starting with self. All the self-help and steps and this and that and the other. Nothing against those things. If that's all someone has and they want to utilize some of that stuff, fine. Self-realization, self-help, self-fulfillment, self-expression, finding myself. It's not part of God's solution. Why? Because that all gives, anything starting with self, gives reign or license to that rebel, you see. <laughs> Another thing that it's not is the law or any form of legalism. That's why you hear a lot of people talking about law and grace and blah, 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 and half of them don't understand what they're talking about. A system of law is not going to fix that rebel. That's proven through the Israelites for 1,500 years. They attempted to live up to the law given to them through Moses at Mount Sinai. No one was ever able to fulfill it. That's why Jesus came and did it for them. There's nothing wrong with the law. It talks about that in Romans chapter 7. You notice I'm trying not to get into the word because you know what happens when I do that. I stay. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says there's nothing wrong with the law. Don't get me wrong when I'm saying that it that system had to be replaced with something better. The problem was the law was perfect and holy just like God. Even they were said, oh, we'll do whatever you say. He said, okay, just try these ten on for size. This is who I am. And they're like, oh, Lord, help us. No power in the law to actually change someone, you see. It can't change that rebel nature within us. So it's not a permanent solution. And that's what God needed. That's what you needed, I should say. The third thing that it's, his solution is not, and no surprise a lot of folks, is religion. This is what the whole world, I talk to people almost every day. A lot of very good friends that I've made, that I, I'm convinced are all going to be converted. They just don't know it yet. But I, I, I see where they're at. You see, it doesn't take me long to find out someone's spiritual location and their understanding. I, I need to know that before I really can even pray for somebody, even for healing. I need to know what they believe, what they think, what their mindset is, what their 
wrong teaching and understanding has been. And the world is misinformed about God. That's why it gets such a bad rap. Religion is not God's answer. You notice Jesus, the ones he blasted, he was never out against, you know, the the woman caught in the act of adultery, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Heals a guy. He finds him later. See, you're healed. Now go and sin no more, lest something worse might happen to you. He didn't say, oh, I'll do something worse. It's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. But religion is not God's fix for the old man. God doesn't send the old self to church. (laughs) Or to Sunday school to have him memorize scripture. It's not about dogma. It's not about reciting prayers. Religion at its best is like a refrigerator. It can arrest or slow the process of the corruption... But in the end, the old rebel is still rotten to the core, you see. (laughs) So I used to talk about the crazy folks in southern families. We just dress them up and put a big hat on them and put them in a rocking chair on the porch, you see. (laughs) Didn't change anything. Look in Matthew chapter 7. i got to go. I, Matthew chapter 7. We want to look at what God's solution is. And I want to tell you what Jesus said so you don't blame me. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 <clears throat> through 19. Jesus said, so every healthy or good tree bears good fruit. But the, and you're the tree, okay? (laughs) We are trees in the Bible in many cases. Everything is in type and shadow in the old covenant, revealed in the new. Unless he was talking to people that weren't his children. Then he talked everything in parables so they couldn't understand. But we can understand it. So every healthy or, or good tree... Bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. The answer to the old sin nature, God's solution in human terms to deal with the old man is execution. Execution. Good news for you. Good news for the Christian. Execution has already taken place in Christ on the cross. Folks, this is a key to understanding everything about the gospel or the good news message. That's what gospel means, good news. Actually, it's a word that was very seldom used in the Greek in the time in which they began to write about this gospel. It's, it's, it's a word that if it was clearly defined, it would be over the top, like uh, the almost too good to be true news. 
That's what the gospel is. Somebody says, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. That's the gospel. That's not the gospel. It's true, but it's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came and bore your sins on the cross. He's buried, he's raised from the dead. He lives today intercedes for you. He sits at the right hand of the Father. God is the only source. Jesus is the only channel. And He loves you. He chose you. You didn't choose Him. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line with all the other not quites. All the never get it right. But it Turns out we're the ones you were looking for all this time. Amen. Romans chapter 7. Y'all with me so far? Told you it got better. It's important. Why? Why do you think it's important that you understand this? First, you need to understand your new identity in Christ so you'll believe it and begin to walk in it. Secondly, when you see sinners sin, you shouldn't be surprised. Sinners sin. And you shouldn't go try to fix them up. When a tree is sick, you don't go out there and wash every leaf. Try to make the tree healthy. <laughs> the sin is just a byproduct of the sin nature, you see, until they're changed. And we'll talk about that. Romans 7, verse 24 and 25. Paul says, Wretched man that I am. He's talking about the old man. Romans is a beautiful story about salvation. All the way up to Romans 8 where we're converted. And he's talking about it right now. He's, he gets to the point where he's just hopeless at the end of himself. Talking about the old man whom he has discovered. This fallen man, this fallen nature. And he says this in Romans 7 starting at verse 24. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The old man dealt with by the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ executed on the cross. Romans 6, 6, just back up a page. Paul says something very interesting. We know, look at those first two words, circle those. We know that our old self was crucified with Him, Jesus, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. That's you, folks. You say, well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it didn't work for me. 
It worked. It worked. You've got to understand spirit, soul, and body. Otherwise, you'll get frustrated and you'll fall away. And you'll say, I tried that church stuff. No, you tried religion. I'm talking about relationship, folks. I'm talking about being a believer. Romans 6, 6 starts off, we know. That's important for you to say. For you to stand in the mirror and say those words that you know. The problem is most Christians do not know. That's a fact. But we must know and believe that the rebel in us was crucified with Christ. That's why when the Bible says things that you go, okay, I guess, that you're seated with Christ right now in heavenly places, you're seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father, you are, because you're in Him. Otherwise, you'd be on your own and The alternative is grim. Believe me. I want to paint a picture for you. You know those three crosses on Calvary? Don't turn there, don't turn there, don't turn there. Who was that centered cross created for? Who was it prepared for? If you know the story, you remember the vision that I told me and the word that God gave me when all this stuff started? The rioting and all the nonsense. <clears throat> Jesus, I said, why, why is this happening? He's, he said, I, I've been there before. I experienced the same thing. When they were crying out, give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer, an insurrectionist, a rebel. That cross was prepared for him. <clears throat> but I thought Christ died for you. He did. So you're Barabbas. I'm Barabbas. That song I sang today. Son of God hanging there on a cross where I should be. Arms spread wide. So we are, we were the rebel. That cross was made for us. That cross is exactly where we were supposed to be. Where we are supposed to be. But at the last moment... God, through Jesus Christ, provided a divine exchange. You read the story about Abraham when God told him to take Isaac and sacrifice him on the altar in the Old Testament. His only child, he didn't recognize Ishmael, one of self-effort, the law legalistic approach 
I'll help God. He only recognized Isaac, laughter, the son of promise. But he told him, go and sacrifice your son upon the mountain. And they traveled there, and Isaac carried the wood for the fire on his own back up that mountain. Starting to bear resemblance to anything. Everything in the Old Testament is type and shadow of what's been revealed in the New. That picture was Abraham was a picture of God the Father, Isaac, Jesus Christ. He raised the knife. Just like all types and shadows, not perfectly clear. So that day... God provided the perfect sacrifice, the ram in the bush. That was a picture of what God was going to do with his own son, except he didn't stop. He allowed the crucifixion to take place because he loves you and he loves me. That old self was crucified in him. It's a historical fact. Now, whether we know it or not, or believe it or not, affects us greatly. But it doesn't change the truth. God's truth is God's truth. God's remedy for the old man is execution. He doesn't improve him. He doesn't reform him. He doesn't make him religious. He doesn't send him to church or to the psychiatrist. He ordained his execution. The mercy of God is the execution took place in Jesus Christ. So we can say, as Paul did, who will deliver me from this wretched man that I am? Thank God it has been done through Jesus Christ. I have been set free from sin, from the law of sin and death. A little more time? Because I really want to talk about the new man. The old man's kind of a bummer. But I want you to see that because you're never going to forget it now. And it's imperative to understanding the Christian life. Most people don't. Even though it's right here. It's so clear. I mean, just the few scriptures that I've allowed myself to go to should show you what I'm talking about is true. Without faith, you'll never connect to the spiritual world and understand these spiritual truths. But the old man, corrupt, spiritually, morally, physically, executed. Romans 6.6 The only solution to be freed from the bondage of slavery to sin was for the old man to be executed with Christ on the cross. Now, the new man has a new life in you. When when the Lord comes in, when you invite Him in, accept Him as your Lord and Savior, He evicts or executes that old sin nature. The new spirit, your spirit is, is renewed and sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day... That you see him face to face. 
incorruptible. One third of your salvation is over. So why all the problems? Why all the messed up thinking and doing and all that? Because your soul, your mind and will and emotions have been brainwashed by the deception, the lie of Satan. This world is under his rule until the Lord returns. And we are to renew our minds through the washing of the water of the word. This is the only truth you're going to find. This is a sword. And you have to be careful how it's wielded because some people can make it say whatever they want. (laughs) In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to talk about the new man. Ephesians chapter 4, and I just want to read 22 through 24, but I'm going to back up because he starts talking about the new life in in verse 17, okay? So bear with me. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles or the unbelievers do. This is Ephesians chapter 4 starting at the 17th verse. That was 17. So don't walk any longer as the unbelievers do in the futility of their minds. You see that? They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. This is not a derogatory term. This is just saying they're ignorant of the truth of God's word. And that's why their hearts are hardened and they believe the lies of the devil and they've been left to their own devices. And we know from Jeremiah 10, 23, that it's not within man to direct his own steps. We'll foul it up every time. If you don't believe that, just look around. Amen. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ. Praise God. Are we learning? Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self. Look at this. Verse 22. Which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now, you say, well, he's telling me to put off the old man and to, and to re, retrain all. Okay, remember what we were talking about, spirit, soul, and body. You're a spirit with a soul in a body. Your spirit has been renewed. The old man has been put out. The new has come in, but you cannot discern this new man, this new spirit. You have the very mind of Christ in your born-again spirit, but you can't discern him with your natural senses. You have to have the help of the one who comes alongside and takes together a, a hold together with your helper, the Holy Spirit, to help you understand these spiritual truths. And then, as you believe or work out the salvation which is already within, 
all the peace, love, and joy, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control you're ever going to need or want are already in there. But you have to work it out. So you have to put it on. Put it on. Put it on. Every day. Just like you get up and make your bed and brush your teeth and put on your clothes. You've got to put on the new man. On purpose. There's a part for us to play. Amen. So we're talking about that soulish realm. <clears throat> the do life. First of all, in those scriptures, verses 22 through 24, it talks about this regenerative process. So how is the new man coming to be? First of all, it's an act of God. It's a creative process that can only be done by God, not by man. Again, you can't dress him up and send him to Sunday school. And uh, I changed or the Lord God changed me or he fixed me. No, he killed you. And then gave you a new life. It's a creative process. And it can't be done by man. It can't be achieved by man. That's why you have to get all the self out of the way. The second thing. This creative act proceeds from God's truth. The word of God. Opposite of the old self. Which was produced by the word of Satan. And he's the... Jesus called him a liar and the father of lies. He was always a liar, he said. So all lies are always associated with Satan, not with God. That's why you hear Jesus talk about liars so much. Because it's not of God, that's of the devil. The new nature is created, again, talking about this four-step creative process, just some four points that I'm making, it was created... Uh, it was a creative process created by God, not by man. Can't be done by man. Creative act proceeds from God's truth, God's word. The next thing is this new nature is created righteous and holy. You were created righteous and holy in God's eyes. That's why I tell people when he sees you, he either sees Adam or he sees Jesus. It's not all your... All... <laughs> You know, it's sad because you see a lot of good people die and they just, boy, they have the, they're the ones with the biggest funerals. And a, a great majority of them are going to hell because all their righteous acts are as filthy rags in the eyes of God if they've rejected His holy sacrifice, His Son, on their behalf. That's just the truth, folks. Jesus didn't come here just to be one of the ways. He didn't come here just for the really bad guy. That person really needed Jesus. This guy, he was a good man. Surely God will not pass him by. No. Jesus said, why you call me good? Nobody's good but God. The kid was right to call him good, but he didn't know because he wasn't willing to call him God. So he was He was wrong. In, that, in his motivation, you see. So created righteous and holy. And the fourth thing is created in the likeness of God. Your new man is created in the likeness of God or other versions. I think the New American Standard and both are good. When, when there's two different translations and both are good, I just accept them both. You see. <laughs> the other one says according to the purpose of God. So you're, according, you're, you're created in the likeness of God. That doesn't mean you look like God. It means, remember, God's a spirit, and so are you. And so spiritually, 
You're in agreement with God. You are just like God. You are, have the mind of Christ is what, what it says. Jesus, it says when we see Jesus, we, we will know Him because we will be like Him. Isn't that cool? Now, that's the act of the creation, the new creation in us. Now let's look at the process of renewing because in our soulish realm, we are being renewed. I don't want your minds to explode today. But you can go back and listen to this. I will. I've taught this for years and I still go back and listen and listen again. You know, they say you don't even really hear everything until you heard it about seven times. I'm not saying you got to listen to this seven times, but I'm telling you, you should at least write down all the scriptures and go back and take the points and just meditate and hold it up to God and say, you said that? What that man said, that's right? I mean, I, I love for you to do that. I think that's an off, awesome prayer, actually. I used to have to do that for several years. I was under some pretty weird teaching. Not weird, but harsh. And I didn't sit well in my spirit. I'd run straight to the throne room of my Father in Heaven and say, Do you say that? And he said, No, son, let me fix that for you. <laughs> He's faithful. If you really want Him, you're going to find Him. That's what I say. Denomination, the religion, this, that, and the other, wherever you're at. If you really want God, you'll get Him. You'll get Him. Colossians 3, and then I'm going to hurry up and finish up. Although I'm still, I'm still doing really good. Colossians 3. <laughs> Colossians 3, because I want to talk to you about this process of renewal so you'll understand where you're at, you know, sort of what's going on in our soulless realm, which has to be renewed through the washing of the water of the Word. All right? Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10. <coughs> Pardon me. Do not lie to one another. There it is again about the lie. Seeing that you have put off the old self. You see, the old self was a liar because Satan's a liar. It was produced from the seed which was corrupted by lies. And the new nature, not nah, the truth of God's word. So don't lie to one another. Seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. The old man was a liar and so sometimes he lied. If it would benefit him. And you have put on the new self. Which is being, look at that, being renewed. So you already have put on the new self. But it's still being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We're talking about the soulless realm now. This computer that was that was garbage in, garbage out, you know. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We were taught wrong. We were taught wrong by this world. Sometimes our parents taught us wrong. They didn't know the difference. Sometimes churches taught us wrong. They probably didn't know the difference either. Sometimes, all the time, certain channels teach you wrong. <laughs> And even the other ones that you think are, are the good guys, they're mostly wrong. This is right. The Holy Spirit is right. And you know what? You're God's child. And He loves you. He wants you to know the truth. So, 
It's being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So, this is our soulish realm, and we have a part to play, like I always say. It's like any relationship or marriage. It can't just be one-sided. That's why there's so many Christians that just went to a, a Billy Graham conference or something, and a wonderful thing happened, and then they were like, what now? And then maybe they went and tried to find a church or some like-minded believers. I remember walking the roads of Omaha and Lincoln, Nebraska, just at the end of myself, and uh, years before he ever really got a hold of me. But I was... I remember knocking on these big, giant wooden doors on a beautiful old church in downtown Lincoln, Nebraska, and knocking on the door like this. I started like this, and then I was just like, like this, and just crying and say, where are you? You know, like you're not home, God, not to the people. I was talking to him. He didn't want me to get in there, by the way. <laughs> Spared me. Spared me. I might have became religious. And it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have fixed me. It wouldn't have fixed that rebel, would it? Now that we know what we're talking about. <laughs> James. So I just wanted to show you that that's a progressive change that's happening in our soulish realm so you don't go get discouraged and disappointed and, and just say, well, God's forgotten you or it didn't work for you. No, it's a progress. It's the Pilgrim's Progress. You ever read that book? <laughs> James, back in the back, toward the back, talks about this. In verses 19 through 25 of, let's see, which chapter I'm talking about, I don't remember. I'm sorry, one second. Know this, my beloved brethren, first chapter. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rapid wickedness and receive with meekness, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls couple of keys there, humility and the Word of God. This Word of God is planted in us and it's capable, all-powerful to save our souls. We have to receive it humbly. That's why you see a lot of people in pride that go out and they learn the whole Bible. And then they come and tell you why it's not true. They've educated themselves into pride and right out of relationship with God. The point is this. Two end purposes in the regenerative process. One is to bring man back to the knowledge of God. Back to the true knowledge of God. Not uh, a fabrication or a God of our imagination like so many have created. And the second thing is to be brought to God's image or His likeness. 
John 4, 24, God is the Spirit. Those who worship Him must come to Him and worship Him in spirit and truth. And in John 17, 3, on that fateful night, Jesus prayed to the Father, and it was kind of funny because He stopped and He said, act like He was explaining something to God. <laughs> but He was really saying it for our benefit, for the disciples' benefit. Eternal life. The definition thereof. This is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, you have sent, whom you sent. Know you, knowing. This is an intimate, passionate, relational word. The same word that they use in Genesis when it says, Adam knew Eve and they conceived and had a child. That's the meaning of life. That's eternal life. And we enter into that eternal life not when we enter into heaven, when we enter into salvation in Christ Jesus, eternal life enters into us. Now, in this world, there are some things that we will always fall short of. But you can take advantage of your inheritance. You can take advantage of the fact that you are a child of God. You can take advantage of the fact that He has provided for your health and your wholeness and your prosperity and your peace of mind and all the love, joy, and peace you'll ever need is to the extent that you believe and receive and walk it out. Not that bad things don't happen to good people. They do because we're in a fallen world. And Jesus said, you are going to have troubles in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. How does the new man come to be? Quickly, I just want to finish and then we'll be set on the right path here. John chapter 1, the gospel of John, not the epistles in the back. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Chapter 1, verses 9 through 17. How does this new birth take place? Well, let's see what John said. Starting at the ninth scripture, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was talking about how John the Baptist was born. His, his ministry was only a few months out of his 33 years. In, uh, and it was just a point to people that Jesus is coming. Now you get, you get tired and discouraged and you say, Is God ever going to use me? Think how John the Baptist felt. Nevertheless, he was in the world. And the world was made through him, Jesus, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, talking about the Jews. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see that? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only one, only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He was, who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace, and this chapter, verse 17, is where the name for this church came from. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
born of God. You see verses 12 and 13 there? Born of God. So that's the origin of the new man. And then in John, just look on the next page, chapter 3, verse 5. It says that Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. This is when Nicodemus, the religious leader, the teacher of the Jews, came to him at night for fear of the other Jews. He said, we know, we really do know that you're of God. Nobody would do the things that you do. And he said, let me just cut to the chase, Nicodemus. Unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. And he he said... So how how am I supposed to enter back into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, no, stupid. No, he didn't say that. (laughs) He said, he said, he explained to him that it's a spiritual birth. It's a spiritual birth that has to take place. So we're born of God. Through the water and the Spirit. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And and 1 Peter 1.23. I'll just go there real quick. 1 Peter 1.23. I'm trying to give you proof of these things. So that you'll have documentation and scriptures to rely upon. To explain or to understand or to talk about the new birth. 1 Peter 1. The 23rd verse. He says... Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. That's interesting because he's saying we're born again through the seed of God's Word. This Bible right here. As we receive God's Word and believe it by faith and obey it, Believe, receive by faith, walk in obedience to it. God's Spirit brings forth from within us the very nature of God. Do you see that? Divine, incorruptible, eternal. That's why Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. My words are spirit and they are life. You still have your finger in John? I told you all not to turn to Peter. Look at the very, look at the very first scripture in John, the gospel of John. Talking about how we're born of the word of God. The very first scripture in John, three times in that first scripture of John's gospel, God describes Jesus as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, that's Jesus. And the Word, that's the second time, was with God, he's been with God for all time, and the Word was God. Isn't that something? And Jesus is described throughout the scriptures as the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John said in his epistles in the back. And look in the book of Revelations just quickly and I'll end here. 
I like to go to Revelation sometimes. I'm trying to dip your toes into it so you're not afraid of it. It's a wonderful, beautiful story for the children of God. Revelation 19, verse 13. I'm going to back up to 11 because this is so cool. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. For those people who think of Jesus as this this meek, little, mild, suffering Savior. Next time you see Him, that's not what you're going to see. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. Who do you think that might be? And in righteousness, He judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on His head are many diadems. And He has a name written that no one knows but Himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which He is called is the Word of God. That's Jesus. Oh my goodness. He likes it. He likes it. The Word of God. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. We receive the seed of the preached Word of God. Into good ground, the garden of our hearts. We receive it, we believe it, we obey it. The result is the new man, which is created in the image of God Himself. The Word of God, Jesus Christ. And then we can say the same thing that Paul said. My final close, Galatians 2.20. This will be your testimony. Galatians 2.20. Paul said this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Father, thank You for this precious Word that You've given us today. Thank You for giving us understanding, Holy Spirit. Help us to hold on to these truths that they take root and bear fruit in our lives. Help us to slay the old man and feed the new. Thank you for loving us, for making us your children. Lord, we are glad that even demons are subject to the name of Jesus Christ. We can command and call things that are not as though they were, just like you. We've been given authority in this realm. Even though Satan is still in this world, we have power all over all of his works. And all we have to do is speak in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ to our mountains. 
and they will be removed and cast into the sea. We have the entire army of God and of the heavens on our side. But Lord, we don't rejoice in this. We rejoice that our names are written in the book of life and that we're your children and we'll be with you forever. Thank you for loving us so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.